podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs, and Kane's not afraid to shoot! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line when Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Red dots in. To another episode of Touchline Hotspur. Got a star studded cast here, and um, a special guest too. Owen, how are you feeling, man? You doing good? Yeah, man, very well, man. Thank you, thank you. We've got Sai with us today. Yo, yo, good to be back. We've got Tottenham Tobes here. Then, good to be back. I need that hat, Sai. <laughs> my, my one got rubbed out, so I need to get a re-up. I need yeah, it. that's cold. And also special guest, Jenk, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. Good, 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 good. Another good week. It's, it's, I might even need to stop saying that because it's all good weeks now. So I'm seeing all good weeks ahead. All good weeks ahead. But this is the end of a special week as well because not only did we win, but we won in style. And we won at a place where it doesn't always go great as well, Old Trafford. Um, Tobes, take us forward, man. What was your thoughts on the, on the, on the Old Trafford game? Uh, it was brilliant, man. It was absolutely brilliant. Like Everything... Everything that I wanted out of that game, I got. Like, I got a, um, I got a Martial disaster class. I got a Harry Maguire disaster class. I got a Luke Shaw disaster class. I got Harry Kane grabbing a brace, Sonny grabbing a brace, stat padding galore, in Dombele goal. Like, honestly, if someone told me that in Dombele was going to get on the score sheet, and Kane up and and Son are both going to score at Old Trafford, and we're going to win six one, bruv. <laughs> I would have said you're on some budge, but boy, they pulled it out of the bag. I, I still like now thinking about it, it's crazy that we've gone to Old Trafford and put six past them. Like that is nuts. Nuts. It's 
it's crazy. I mean, even from see the first the first moment where I saw Son's name on the team sheet, I had already taken him out of my fantasy team and everything. Like oh, <laughs> Mourinho yeah. has just pulled a fast one past us, man. Like I love he was it. on my bench. <laughs> I love it. Same, same, same. <laughs> but it looks like he got Ole too, so I'm not complaining. Uh, I, I mean, do you guys think that was key to to the victory? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It played a big part. I think, in general, Jose got the team selection perfectly. Um, Obviously, we conceded an early pen, which I actually missed initially. Um, And the group chat was going ham. So I was like, ah, shit, this is going to get long for me. So I'm (laughs) fumbling about to get my stream ready. (laughs) Yeah, trust me. Like, just to digress a little bit, like, I had a nightmare with Just Eat as well. So, like, my order never arrived. I was pissed. I was shouting on the phone to the guy at the restaurant. So I was, I was in a mood. So when the penalty went in, I was like, Bruno Fernandes. I was, I was fuming. And then obviously we, we rescued a goal. So always good in the world. Um, but now there was some virtuoso performances, a lot of comedic Benny Hill-like moments for United. Had everything you wanted, really. Yeah, we, we got to talk about the red card as well. Of course, the red card, I mean, really and truly, I know... Like Lamella, that's top-notch shit housery. And the funny, the funny thing is, before before that as well, we were all sort of like getting onto Lamella, like, yo, just release this ball, release mm. this, do this, do that. And then he plays his part in the goal, the third, the equaliser, and then he gets Martial sent off. But really and truly, I think he should have been sent off as well because he knows what he's doing. Like he's he's leaning, he's let he's leaning into him. And like elbow, he's yeah. got his arm out as if like oh, he doesn't know what his arm's doing, but he's elbowed him. Like he knows he can feel the contact. He knows that he's elbowed him, so he's expecting a reaction from Martial. So I the feel middle. like I feel like he could have easily been sent off. But you know what? With the decisions that have gone against us this season so far, I'll take that. I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, Lamella kills me. He's he's like such a gentleman. He's even had the time to say to Marshall that he's gonna go down and apologize like before he's dropped. Like, like he kills felt... all of us, by the way. <laughs> he's felt the slap, and he's he's taken the time to explain himself before he's gone down, and somehow VAR still falling for it. Like I don't know what's happened there. Have you guys? Have any of you guys heard the clip um, with the microphones turned up so you can hear like the United players arguing about it? They yeah. are, yeah, Rashford, I think, Maguire yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah injected all of that, injected all of that. I mean, <laughs> firstly, I mean, what what a beautiful way to end years and years of football oppression against United. Um, I feel like I've got to give um, Lamella a special mention as well. Like I've been against him from the start and genuinely I still think he's better than better with his elbows than his feet because he's genuinely, a, <laughs> he is a street baller with one-star skills, but... Not only is shithousery for the first goal and the red card, his positional play throughout the game confused the hell out of Luke Shaw and Maguire, even though they're bad anyway. But when he's coming off the right and coming inside, then Luke Shaw's pretty much taking up centre-back positions, trying to mark him, and Aurier's just coming through. Yeah, it, like all rounds, great performance from him. Cenk, what, what else do you think? Do you think there are any other standout performers? Uh, I think Ruggian was excellent again. Yeah. I think we all know about what he done last year with Sevilla. But that energy down the left-hand side, I think is going to be a big factor for us going forward. Um, I think it's just excellent. Like we, I'm not sure what minute it was, but he done some recovery, like was pacing it to come back and he tackled someone. I don't know who it was. Mm. 
but he's excellent. I think, yeah, I think all, everyone played well. Though, that's the thing. I think it's one of those performances where the whole team standing up really. Yeah, um, I think even um, Hoybier deserves a shout as well. Like he had, he had a great match. Best, best player on the pitch. Yeah. What Sai said, best yeah. player on the pitch. He was, he was amazing. Great match, absolutely amazing. And I think, I think a lot of people look at the red card and say, oh yeah, like, ah, uh, but. You wouldn't have won six one if not for the red card and stuff like that. But we were winning two one before the red card, and we were in the ascendancy before the red card as well. People forget that before that red card happened, we were peppering their goal like in Dumbele attempts, regular mm-hmm. um, Lamella and Son through one goal, like, but like just touched yeah. it to their keeper, fumbled the bag, Aurier like, right in front. Like um, the thing is, I'm not I'm not a fan of the manager, but like, like Sai said, like, like, um, like Sai said, you have to give him credit because even the tone in which we attacked United, like, it's like we, after that first goal, it's like we smelt blood. Like the pressing was unbelievable. Like everyone <laughs> to a man, literally just not letting Man United breathe. Paul Pogba, whenever he touched the ball, there's two men on him. Like Bruno, whenever he touched the ball, there's two men on him. Really and truly before the red card, the only players who were actually looking, threatening for Man United were their front three. Cause I felt like when their front three got on the ball, they moved the ball quick, but um, generally, I, just the tone in which we actually addressed that game as well, and even the red card after the red card, the way in which we just like you see, like what's the Game of Thrones? There was a scene where um, I think it's I can't remember who it was. I think it's Reek. Reek is running away from from Ramsey or one of Ramsey's slaves, yeah. And the guy catches Reek and says, "You know what?" I'm gonna f you into the dirt, basically, and I don't want to. I don't want to be too crude, but I feel like we did that. Or <laughs> a puppy just there and just battered it and bruised it, and I was like, there was no mercy. Relentless four-one at halftime. I think that's like the most. I think that's the the first time in Premier League history that Man United have conceded four goals in the first half, and it's a testament to um, our tone and our aggression in that match, and it was brilliant. It was yeah. Brilliant to see. I think we gave them absolutely no respect from start to finish. Um, you have to give the boys credit as well for like something that's been sort of, I guess, like a staple in Tottenham Hotspurs for a long time has been like heads dropping when we go down early. And like that didn't happen this time. So like you have to give the guys credit. Um, mm. I thought as well, um, I, like, I mean, at this point, I think we were we were probably like five or six up when Ben Davies come on. So I, I was watching, I was kind of like half watching, half screaming. But I mean, it looks <laughs> like they moved um, Regilon a bit further up as well. Like they wanted yeah. to play him a bit a bit more attacking. It's, it's almost like we tried to fast track him to the um, bail role as well. But <laughs> it's looking it's looking really good. Like I liked him, I liked him in that role as well. It was it was interesting to see him there. I think I think that that's that was definitely an element that was uh, nice to see. We're starting to see a bit more fluidity in the whole team again. Um, the four-three-three gives us an opportunity to create more unique uh, sort of build-up situations. So we saw Hoybier dropping into the back three, picking the ball up, and starting to spray out to the full-backs a lot quicker. Um, obviously, that gives Tongi a lot more opportunities to sort of roam around, pick up interest in space. And with Kane dropping in deep as well, you've just got players on the opposition end just being pulled out of position, left, right and centre, which just creates opportunities either on the right or in behind. And we saw it over the course of the game, even even before they went down to 10 men, there were just spaces all over the pitch and we looked super, super threatening. Mm, that Hoybier performance as well gives me such confidence he can play that single pivot role and have Andombele and 
Giovanni Lo Celso either side of him. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that as well. One sec, sorry. It's funny you mentioned that as well because um, I personally felt that the performance from Sissoko, I felt like the performance from Sissoko enabled the likes of Indomitian mm. to sort of have... Sorry, my phone is literally just... Are they your results? <laughs> yeah, I just felt like it, that midfield free can work because I feel like that's the first time we've actually seen Hoybier play the single pivot role for us. But more importantly, it just emphasised for me how invaluable having someone like Sissoko as a squad player is. There was a time in the summer where I sort of, I remember there was a swap deal muted about him going to Inter and Skriniar coming through. And I was actually saying, if it meant we, if it meant we got Skriniar in, um, I would let Sissoko go. But now, looking at that game yesterday, looking at the Arsenal match last season, the Liverpool game at Anfield, even though we didn't win, like whenever we have some of these big games, he's someone who you can be reliable in terms of an all-round performance, just industry, work ethic, and just mopping up all of the the gaps on that right-hand side as well. So I felt like he gave our midfield some balance as well, but obviously Hoybier was the one that sort of stole the show. Mm. That's what made me laugh as well, like in the Discord live. We could see him in the first half. He was more just trying to track Rashford's running and like staying back to be disciplined with him in case Man United did counter every time Aurier went forward. And on the ball, everyone, all the rival fans in Discord live is like, hang on, why is Musa Sissoko spraying the ball like prime Xavier Alonso? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> How are you letting this guy do this to you and all this? Like, it was, it was, it was a complete performance from him, really, truly was. I feel like Sissoko's a confidence player, though. I feel like when his confidence is high, he's a different player. Mm. I feel like sometimes he can get caught out a bit, sometimes, you know, a bit slow on to get on the ball and stuff. But I feel like he's not that type of player anyway. So you've got to balance it out and view him as someone, like Toby said, that provides that balance in midfield. So, yeah, I mean, come, it's come under a bit of scrutiny and stuff. But I feel like in a squad, you want, you want players like that. I mm. think that's, that's that's definitely a good point because uh, obviously Sissoko's in that group of players with the Lamellas, with the Oriers, with the Davises. All of these guys were deemed as surplus to requirements or not at the required level. But as I've been saying since we started this pod, there's there's now becoming a bit of a tier system where we do have a clear preferred eleven in terms of quality. But these squad players, they're used to playing big minutes for us. So they're more likely to be able to come into the team and actually contribute immediately as opposed to trying to play them into any sort of form. Mm. With a lot of these guys, like I think the pressure of them playing week in, week out just gives them gives us as fans a bit more of a microscope to judge them under. So a lot of their, their weaknesses are highlighted more than their strengths and their immediate worth to the team is. And I think sometimes it can be unfair but what we're seeing now is because we have a higher quality of player from top to bottom, we're able to give these guys a little bit more leeway to just do what you're good at. Don't step outside of that and just add that, as, as Jenk said, balance to the team. And we're, we're, we're already seeing this season that guys are contributing at a higher clip. Don't you not think as well, yeah, um, that... Because obviously I know you you love a bit of this Jenk as well. You you love a bit of your passion. Your he's a Pashan, he's a Pashan merchant, you know. So <laughs> you love like didn't you love some of the um like the passionate scenes at the end of the game as well? Like I really I really I feel like this team 
are sort of like coming together. And it's, it's I hate speaking too positively about Spurs because I said it in the chat today. Um, <laughs> I get my hopes up about Tottenham, they literally just beat me down into reality. <laughs> but like, it seems like there's a growing confidence in the team now. Players who are fringe players who we were saying, get them out, get them out. They're now coming into the team and they're actually showing why they want to stay into the in the team as well. Look at Davies winning a penalty, Aurier getting a goal and getting an assist. These are players that couldn't couldn't hit the target to save their lives last season. Now immediately there's competition. They're up in their game. And like that's 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 what you want. Far too long we've had all this weight. Um or not even weight, sorry, this lack of competition in the team where like a player can be poor for five, six, seven games on end and will still keep his spot. Now that's not gonna happen. If you're not playing well, you're out of the team. Ali will tell you that firsthand. And but even Steven Bergwijn as well, someone who we thought was going to get a lot, a lot of minutes this season, he's not been playing well. And Mourinho's rightfully not started him in um, a lot of the bigger matches, so it's tough. Even, it's tough. Yeah, even the way Mourinho's taken people off at half time, I think he's shown that he won't accept like less than almost a hundred percent, if you get what I mean. And I think he has to take a lot of credit for creating this atmosphere that we've got as well at the moment. Like it's interesting. We spoke last week about um, Pogba and Ndombele's sort of um, experience, both under Mourinho. And I guess Pogba's had a lot more time under another manager now. And if you compare like both of their performances in that match, like I understand Pogba's team was a, a man down, but it was like worlds apart. So I think um, it's interesting to see how like, I guess it looked, it looked last year like Mourinho was like really harsh on Pogba it looked like he was really harsh on Ndombele as well. But it seems like one player is coming out the other side looking a lot stronger, a lot better as a part of a, a much stronger, more united side. And yeah, I, I do think he gets a bit of credit for that as well. His influence, I think, is understated on, on how we're doing at the moment. I don't think he gets all of the credit, but I think, yeah, there, there, should, be, there should be some say for him as well. Sorry. Go ahead, mate. Go ahead. Yeah. You think that the market sort of change the atmosphere as well. So I feel like, say you're a player and you walk in, players like Bale there, mm. it kind of changes things. It's the conception of the team and the season. Yeah. I think it changes the aims as well. Like when a player like Bale comes in, it goes from, oh, can we get top four to can we actually challenge now? Mm -hmm. I feel like just the general atmosphere, the market has a big effect basically. So I think that's a big part of it. It's interesting as well. I think Gareth, Gareth Bell's agent has said that he thinks Tottenham can get very close to winning the league yeah. with Bell's influence. Like having that sort of talisman, I think it does have a huge effect. I don't know if you guys think our, our chances of getting a trophy, any trophy, have changed having these people come in. No, nah, they've definitely changed. Go on, sir. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone knows like before, before the season started, um, I didn't want us to have Europa League. Mm -hmm. I felt like it would hinder our season and much to my surprise and much to my pleasure, to be perfectly honest, the, the games that we played to qualify have sort of acted as a preseason, if you will. So everyone looks a little bit sharper, but what it also does is it highlights the fact that, um, as Jenk said, when you have certain bodies come into the team, it does galvanise that. So not only have we, have we added depth to manage the run of games that we are inevitably going to have, but we've also added quality. So... I think it goes twofold. Like I, I genuinely f felt that we were only a few pieces away from going back to the level that we were at before. Um, because for me, a lot gets put into, oh yeah, the squad is tired and stale and this, that and the third. But 
this squad that we've had has, has hit heights that I don't think any other Spurs team in the Premier League era has even really come close to. So the skeleton of, of a title contending side was there. You don't have Son, Kane, uh, Lloris, Toby, and Dombele even in your side if you're not sort of on the cusp of doing something special. Mm-hmm. So like for me, my, my, my buoyancy is back up because I'm not only seeing that we have a squad that can potentially do it, but our manager has finally started to put an identity on the team that for me gives us a basis to really start to build on over the course of a season. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think a title challenge is outside of the realms of what's realistic. It's it's interesting as well. Like um, we're in unprecedented times, like with there being no fans inside of the stadium. Uh, I put like an article inside the group chat earlier this week. I'm, it's killing my brain. I can't remember exactly who the journalist was, but it was with a, it was with a secret footballer. And he was basically saying the difference that he finds with with no fans. And he was saying that he doesn't believe players find it as easy to give 100% when you don't have that person on your back. And um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting that I felt Spurs are affected in the opposite way. I feel like we were going through a period where the fans were like really harsh on the team for obvious reasons that you can't take it away from them. But now it seems like without that pressure, maybe there's that space where the mentalities can thrive and we can get um, performances from confidence players like Sissoko, like Jenk said as well. Um, Owen, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about the players' mentality <laughs> playing around no no fans? It seems like I see it affect um, different teams. I don't see it affecting us as much because I think um, Mourinho has been one of those that puts a high emphasis on concentration, especially at the back from the jump, where you do see it. I do wonder if this player plays for Liverpool because... Um, <laughs> Even though he spoke like he was from West Ham, because I see it in uh, you see it a lot in their defense where you haven't got the fans. Kind of, you even get little things like man on, or you're just shouting at them to concentrate, or they just crank up that intensity a bit so there's more pressure. And um, yeah, you do see it in other teams. I'll just use Liverpool as a reference point where it looks like it just has affected them, and you see it when they're shipping seven goals against teams like Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me like sometimes on, on other teams anyway, like with, with some other ballers, heads go down and they don't go back up. It's almost like without the fans there, they just feel like, fuck it, we've lost kind of like two goals. Like it doesn't matter if it's seven, we still get paid at the end of the week. And yeah. I just hope that that kind of feeling never kind of gets into this Spurs squad. I like the way how the mentality is at the moment. Like hopefully it yeah. stays like that. When the it's kind of... Back showed like in our team we've actually got a lot more leadership now and I think it's um exposed certain teams for having a lack of leaders mm-hmm. and it'll be those teams which will be worst affected by the no fans being in the stadium I think. Does anyone think that like a um an outsider like a dark a dark horse team will win the league this season or do you think it will be one of like the traditional top four? Uh, I think I think I think this is the the most open um it's it's gonna be in in recent years. Um, I'm still gonna back Liverpool to win it because I still feel like, in terms of everyone knowing each other, um, handling that sort of pressure and the rigors of the season, I still think they can sort of navigate their way the best through it. But that Aston Villa result has shown me that, like, yo, 
anyone can actually take points of anyone now. And, and, and we were talking about this off air. Some of the business that some of these so-called lower sides have done this year in terms of bridging that gap, you're now having, you, you now have a situation where teams legitimately can beat bigger teams, smaller teams. It just depends on how, on the, the right combination of players playing on the day and um, who's who, who wants it more. I think whereas before you had you could sort of rubber stamp it, oh, Liverpool, Liverpool are going to, Liverpool, Man City, rest of the pack. Man City have conceded, I can't remember how many goals they conceded, but they've only won once this season in three attempts. Liverpool conceded seven goals. I can't remember the, I can't even remember the last time Liverpool conceded on um, seven, even under Brendan Rodgers. I think the most he conceded in the game was like six and yet Jurgen Klopp's side conceding seven. So I think with the, with the investment we've had, Chelsea, Everton and whatnot, it's going to be wide open. Like, <laughs> I'm tempted to say a dark horse could actually win it, but I'm, I just don't want to put Spurs there. Because <laughs> once I put it there, it's like, oh, no, no, nah, nah, nah. He's gassing, he's this, he's that. So a dark horse can win it. That's all I have to say. And that's all I'm going to say. Let's let's um, you're not fooling anyone, man. Look at how you're changing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Liverpool, Liverpool. I got yeah. Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I do think the whole yeah. Liverpool thing was a bit of a blip. I think they'll they will probably wake up, and um, once they get Jordan Henderson back in, as much as I hate to say it, he's he's their leader in their team, he'll probably charge them back. I mean, their performance against Arsenal was superb as well, so I think they'll revert back to that. But I mean, who's to say a dark horse can't at least challenge? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems like the time is right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk. Let's talk a bit more um, about the transfer transfer windows. Transfer windows closed. I mean, we didn't get that centre back in. So what what does that do to our transfer window? Out of ten, does that? Does it, is it still is it still a good window, Jenk? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's we still have a very good window, and I don't think none of us would have expected what we got. I think to even sign Rabion as well, just he's just come off the back of winning the Europa League. You know, we we wouldn't have been the only club we wanted him. Like there would have been a lot of other top teams who would have thought this kid is the one we need to get him. Especially at Real Madrid as well. You know, I'm surprised. I don't know if Zidane rates him or not, but I'm surprised Zidane had a second look um, at him. But I guess I'm not complaining if we got him. Bale is just, that speaks for itself. I mean, that's just crazy how we got him back, finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, even players like Hoiberg, though, and Hart, like, they're not the most, you know, exciting names, but he's the, he's the Mourinho-type player. It just fits into our system. So I think overall, do you know what I mean? I think it's a very good window. I don't know about you guys, but I think even though we didn't get a centre-back, we still can as well. The Roden uh, guy who we might be getting, I don't know if it's if it's done or not or whatever, but I think it's still a very good window. I'll probably put it at like a eight out of ten, eight and a half out of ten. You guys need to sell this Roden player to me, by the way. I've, I've, I've never seen him. He's, he's playing right now, to be honest. Yeah, he's yeah. Is he good? He's got a good profile. Yeah, he's uh, right footed. I think left footed. Is he left footed? I think he's left footed. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's about six six foot four, six foot five. It's homegrown as well, so I guess. There's some positives like with him, so yeah. Okay, and and in our squad, like realistically, where where does he sit? Like, if he if he joined, would he be like fifth choice, fourth choice? Yeah, I guess. Would you put him over Tanganga? Is the question in, in terms of squad? Rotation? I think the only annoying thing is we didn't sign him to register register him time for for the Europa League, which would have seen him probably get an opportunity to get some minutes. Yeah, 
think wouldn't wouldn't he be able to uh, be added to the second list because of his homegrown status? Uh, something along those lines. I might that, be wrong, but yeah, I was watching uh, Analyst the Goal video earlier, and apparently it's unsure whether he qualifies as homegrown under the UEFA rules or not. So I uh, genuinely have no idea on that one. Thank you. All right, sorry, by the way, he is right footed. He's right footed. Okay, he plays. He plays left. Left yeah. added centre back. Yeah. Game now he's currently playing on the left of the two. Yeah. So I guess he can probably play there. I don't watch him to be honest, but the thing is, if the club. If the club have done their due diligence, like if they've actually scouted him extensively and they've checked his profiles and if they feel like he is someone who can come in and add a lot to this team, then ultimately I'm just going to have to go with their their recommendation. But my thinking is this though. My thinking is if we are signing a centre-back, it really needs to be someone who can come in from the jump and make that left-sided spot his because... Uh, Sanchez ain't really a left-sided centre-back. Alderweireld, he can play there, but ain't really a left-sided centre-back. Eric Dyer, he's had a reasonably good start to the season, let me not lie. Um, he's but... had a fucking good start. <laughs> yeah, had a good start. It's weird, but he has... I'm downplaying it, but he's been, really, he's, been, he's been very good, very good. But I don't really rate Eric Dyer highly, so the fact the, that the club was so adamant on going for someone like Skriniar means to me that they're looking for someone to literally lock down that left-sided spot and have the rest of our guys for depth or play on the right side. So I'm just thinking, is Rodon going to be someone who's going to come in and make that spot his? I don't know. I don't know. Is Rodon uh, tried and tested against like top, top, top level opposition? I don't think so. So I would rather wait until January and try and go back in for Skriniar and let Eric Dyer just chill and compete with Toby or whoever for that left-sided centre-back spot, then bring in Joe Rodon now, and then um, have to sort of wait another couple months or whatnot to for him to, for us to see the best of him. I just don't want. I, I, I'm tired of going through the motions where we're we're waiting on potential with centre-back. I, I like Foy, mm-hmm. but he's another potential centre-back. Davison Sanchez, I like him, decent guy, but. He's got a ricket in him, but again, potential centre-back. I just want someone who can do what Toby did back in 2015. I know it's difficult, but someone who can come in and literally just clamp that spot down and make it his. That's all I want. So for, so for someone who hasn't seen Rodon, though, is it fair to say that he's he's going to be playing a similar role to what Faith played for the club? Like a bit part of a role? Uh, it's a weird one, because if he comes in... Can you say he's better than any of the existing centre-backs that left-sided? On that left side? I don't know. But if we're going out and spending 18 million on him, I'm expecting that the club are going to at least play him and get play him quite often and give him his fair run of games. I don't know. It's a weird one. This is what I'm saying. He's not an established centre-back, so he could easily fall behind in the pecking order. I don't know. Mm. What I like to think is we might be looking to maybe some games just rock up with a three at the back. And um, I mean, Ben Davis could even play that role at left centre back. But I mean, if we've kind of got that as an option, like I've liked some of these Twitter lineups, which we've actually got three at the back, regular Norier or either side as the wing backs and a solid midfield. So if we're looking to do that in the future and perhaps give him some minutes at left centre back, that could be that could be a plan. For me, we're we're at a point where we do need depth at the back. Um, letting Foyth go 
without having another centre back come come in does leave us quite thin. Um, this obsession with like shifting Tangaga into starting 11s is is fucking weird to me. But we move, um, so we definitely need depth. And if it if it tides us over till we can stump up a little bit of money to get in that established centre back to go into the 11, I'm all for it. Because I, I don't I don't see I don't see Toby being around for the full duration of his contract. Like, like watching him watching him worries me more than watching any other centre back, if I'm perfectly honest. Because on any given moment, like his legs could just not be there completely. And I don't think he commands the back line as well as people like to give him credit for. Um I think that was Vertongan's place within the team. Um, and Dyer seems like he's taken the the mantle in terms of leading that back line. So, so yeah, it's it's for me. It's important for us to get depth without without worrying too much on where that person fits within the pecking order because we just need bodies at the minute. So, in terms of like depth, let's say not not um, ability, but in terms of depth, is this one of the best squads we've had in our Premier League history? I think it is the best right now. I think it is. I said this last season, to be honest, and I got egg in my face, but I genuinely believe that squad-wise, this is the best, for mm. sure. You could probably argue and say that the starting eleven we had in the the season where we scored the most goals and conceded the least, that Pochettino amazing season when we finished second, you could probably argue that man for man, the first eleven um, at a push could be equal or maybe inferior to that side, I don't know. At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. Wait, gonna, gonna mute. Gonna mute. Sorry. In terms, of, in terms of the depth right now in every position, I think this is the best. Like, we got starters from last season who are on the bench. We've signed players this season who were top players at their clubs starters at their clubs to come in and immediately start at our club. Mm. Like, we signed a Europa League winner. We signed a Champions League winner. We signed um, Southampton's captain. We signed Wolves' best fullback in, in the two seasons they've been in the in the league. We signed players who genuinely would improve other sides, not just our side, would improve other sides and get into other squads. So it has to be the, the strongest side we've had in the league for me. This squad is more refined as well. We're not making concessions in terms of uh, we're not trying to put square pegs in round holes. Uh, that that team we're speaking of, the 16-17 season, we had Ericsson on the right and Delhi on the left. Now we've got Sun on the left and potentially Bale on the right. I mean, mm, it's, yeah. it says a lot, I think. Um, and we can play a variety of systems with this squad without having to make a centre midfielder a right back or some bullshit like that. So... I think, I think, yeah, this is probably our best squad that we've had in terms of depth, especially. Cenk, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a very balanced squad. That's what's most important for me. 
I think sometimes, I think if we look at Chelsea as well, mm-hmm. I think that wasn't a balanced window for me. Because I feel like they've just gone a bit gung-ho and kind of just bought what they could. Um, so I think with us, I think there were more, it was more shrewd, thoughtful business. There was more thinking behind it for the long term as yeah. well. Because I feel like, like if you look at Vinicius as well, we're thinking about Kane, his numbers and what he's getting minutes-wise. You know, can we manage that? So I think, yeah, I think it's a very balanced squad. Um, I'm not sure yet whether it's better than our 16-17 squad, but I feel like soon, when we go through the December period, I think I'll probably come to that conclusion that it's probably better. Um, so what about some of the members of the team who like are really on the fringes right now? <laughs> some of the guys who's... <laughs> Jake's best friend. <laughs> But Danny, yeah, look, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know if there's anything on my land. <laughs> I don't know, like, what is he doing? Like, is he waiting to run out his contract, just sit there getting money? Or is his agent trying to get a move? But I can't see him going anywhere else in the championship. I feel like he's he doesn't think he's at that low of a level yet. But... I think he could still play in the Premier League, though. That's that's the thing. I genuinely think he could still play in the in the league. I feel like yeah, I feel like Burnley would would like a Danny Rose. I feel like Fulham <laughs> would like a Danny Rose. Yeah, Fulham needed West that. Brom would like a Danny Rose. Like it's, it's Leeds, but I don't I don't think Bielsa would have wanted a nah. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's an interesting point actually. Do you think now that um like we said a bit earlier, like a lot of these clubs have, are doing like a lot of smart business. Do you think yeah. they feel that they're past the Danny Rose at this stage? Especially since Leeds a lot are, of them yeah. have got cash too. I think Leeds are, to be honest, because Leeds, what Stuart Dallas is offering them now in terms of goals, intensity, outlet, mm. which just durability, I don't think Danny Rose can match that, mm. um, that level of intensity right now. And I don't think they would want to sort of put their eggs into his basket considering he's someone who, at the drop of a, at, at, at any given notice, could be injured for weeks, weeks, months, blah, months, blah, blah, blah. So, I, I think Leeds are past him, but I can. I mean, come on, Fulham, Fulham played flipping. Come on, Ola Anya. Like I like him, but yeah. Danny Rose can compete with Ola Anya. Like West Brom are playing Kieran Gibbs, like a thirty-one-year-old, thirty-two-year-old. <laughs> he was never even better than Danny Rose when he was younger, let alone now. So, come on, man. Like, how, how much do you think you would go for Danny Rose in this market? Honestly, like considering that he's got a year, what is it, under a year left or a year left? Like a couple, yeah, under a year. Yeah. So, would you do you risk? Do you think it's maybe a Levy thing where he's maybe pumping it so his clubs are like <laughs> no, or do you think it's a case when just like no one wants to pay out the money during like this time as well where finances are issued? Do you think it's just whether like no one just wants him? Like, I thought it was interesting that he went to um, Newcastle, especially like considering they don't buy all the players. And you would think that he fought, and he he's always talking about this Milan thing, like, and I know Milan, <laughs> Milan typically used to buy like all all the players as well. So it's like the, I don't know if if who 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 around like in the Premier League want have this older players thing going on, and there's there's not really anyone left. Like I don't think Leicester and, used to have that going on a little while ago, but they've almost done a U turn. And the thing is, no one in the Championship now would pay. I think it's on sixty grand a week. Yeah, so. so that there's another issue there. It's weird though, because he has the thing is he's washed now, 
but he genuinely has a shot of going to the Euros if he can get some playing time under his belt. Like, he genuinely mm. does. I, I feel after Ben Chilwa, maybe Saka, who will play as a wing-back, but isn't really a left-back. Who did, who did England have left that can no actually one, say they're better than, than Danny Rose on, on his day? So, I think for his sake, he should be doing what Arsenal are looking at, which is to tear up um, Mesut Ozil's contract. I would, if I was Danny Rose, I would say the same thing to Daniel Levy. Like, Try and pay me up, please, or maybe even negotiate some sort of reasonable terms, just so you can make a fresh start. Oh, Uncle yeah. Samuel, free transfer, and just start playing some football because he ain't playing. He ain't playing mm. at all. It's a bit like it's a bit peak how from what he was for us, what it is now. Like we're talking about him getting released. Like six, seventeen. We're talking about we was like he was like one of the best left backs in Europe. Like so, it is a bit crazy how what it's gone from. But I guess best of luck to him, whatever he does. I guess some people have not liked him since the documentary. I don't know what you guys think, but... I like him. I like him. <laughs> yeah, like... I can't yeah. lie, man. The way... Like, he's gone through a lot with, you know, depression and the, the racial stuff as well. So, look, good luck to him, whatever he does. He's done a lot for us. So, yeah. The way we've treated him pisses me off, I'm not going to lie. During his um, it, reminds It reminds me of uh, Aaron Lennon towards the end of his, his time with us. Yeah. You're on the cusp of like getting a testimonial and stuff, and then the club just like boys you off a bit, mm. ships you out, just no respect. I I think it's in bad taste personally, but Agreed. it is what it is, man. You know, you know as well, like Spurs, they have a tendency of doing this weird nonsense as well. Because Michael Dawson was the same as well. I think he was a couple mm. months shy of his testimonial, and like the way he just got shoehorned out the door, like it. I didn't really rate him, and I wanted him to. Don't get me wrong, I I was rooting for him to leave or whatnot because at the time he wasn't adding anything to our squad but I just feel like sometimes our club handle these situations in poor taste and like you said Sai just someone like that who's been at the club for what like 11 years 12 years you deserve more respect than just to be frozen out and whatnot like I always hop back to the way in which Michel Vorm got treated when he was <laughs> like yeah. The whole squad. Like, <laughs> Why did he get what? I'm, like, I'm like, you don't deserve this. I'm like, you don't deserve this. Aaron, Aaron Lennon didn't even get the treatment, and you're getting it. Leave is a shy guy for that though, as well, because those those watches are one of our sponsors, isn't it? <laughs> like, IWC or some shit, and he and he was like, oh, we bought your watch. He was like, nah, fam, that was leftover from the. From the <laughs> show, uh, some waste guy. Yeah, man. Like players who don't deserve as much respect are getting all the respect in the world and players for whatever, for whatever reason yes they've fallen out with the club and whatnot but ultimately they still deserve respect simple that's all we're asking for mm. give Danny Rose some respect give him some dignity because he's going outside right now and the club aren't even giving him any sort of olive branch to say okay cool yeah do this do, this, do that do this do that it's just yeah you're, you're cut off do you think it's a, a modern football thing though do you think is that's what normally like a lot of clubs do now anyway? Because I feel like, you know, when you look at players at Gerrard and stuff like that, they've been at their clubs all their career. I don't think you can do that now. I think clubs have a lot of control over the player and there's a lot of things like agents that get involved as well. So there's too much conflict between all parties. So it's tough. So I think in general, I think it's just a modern football thing. Mm. He definitely agrees to at least have the option to mutually terminate his contracts because I, I don't think he's like completely watched. It's, it is weird how so little top-level clubs have come in for him. Uh, even Genoa didn't even take up the chance to sign him. I don't know if that was um, 
a falling out between us and Genoa and failing to agree a fee or whatever. But I definitely think he can play at a top level club in the sense that Ashley Young is getting minutes for Inter Milan <laughs> in that position. So, I mean, yeah, it, it is a weird one what's happened there. It's like half top level teams haven't come in for him and half were not really doing enough to give him what he deserves. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, Gazaniga, a bit of a different story, but still one who deserves a bit more respect maybe. I thought he was, when when he came in to like deputise Lloris, he was really good. Like I thought he was, I thought he played really well. Um, I guess that does feel like, um, similar to what Jenk said, like that one does feel like a bit more like modern football, where you've got the um, the homegrown rule and obviously we needed to get rid of a player who wasn't homegrown. So it, it seems a bit unfortunate, but did anyone else think he deserved a bit more respect maybe? Mm. I think that kind of area of our transfer window, it's been a bit of a black mark or a bit of a stain against it because we, it looked like we had certain players who we were trying to flog. Aurier was one of them, it seemed like, but I'm quite grateful that didn't happen. Gazniga, it was a similar situation to Emmy Martinez at Arsenal, wasn't it? Where he came in, he deputised, he'd done so well, but they flogged him just because they needed the money. And it felt like we were in that same situation where we just needed to raise funds. But we just didn't get rid of, we obviously weren't able to materialise and move for him and Danny Rose as well, who we were clearly trying to flog. Mm. And we still couldn't even engineer a move away for him and what we considered to be like Deadwood or whatever. Um, but yeah, um, Gasniga, it was a bit, it depends how you judge his time when he did deputise. It was a bit 50 50 where he looked shaky at times. But overall, I think he did okay. But if I'm being honest, if I got a good offer for him, I think I would have uh, sold him just so he'd get first-team football at a club or be number one at a certain team. I think he's a calm number two, Gazaniga. Like, I I know he did have a mistake in him. We know that. We know the nonsense he did at that Chelsea game and stuff like that. But, like, he's come up big for us as well. Like, he he's a good shot stopper and he's better on the ball than, than Lloris as well. Um, I actually think, yeah, I think he's a calm number two and could easily be a number one at a Premier League club. But I do hear that the squad's bloated and whatnot. So it's just football. It's business, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. But my only issue with this is that Joe Hart is a number two. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't mind Gazaniga being sold if there was an English number two that I had a little bit of confidence in, but I have no confidence in Joe Hart. I'd rather have Daniel Rose number two. I'll be honest. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I ain't got no confidence in him, man. I think it's going to be hard to balance Hart and Gazaniga's kind of like to keep them happy. Mm. So I feel like where do you cut the line and say, oh, we can ro- rotate this game? Or where do you say, oh, actually, no, we need to play our best team here. Like we need Larice. Because if you look in the Europa League game, you still play Larice. So yeah. I, I, I think I brought this up like at an earlier time, but yeah. In, I think before that game, the, the pre-match um, talk, Mourinho was saying that he he played Lloris because he wanted to give a sign, a message to the team that we came to win. Yeah. And I thought, wow, like how can you say that? <laughs> how can you say that about your new signing? But it's it's the truth. I think in a in a lot of ways, it is the truth. Like if you want to win, you do play Lloris, like over Joe Hart, for example, man. Like, and mm. it, it's a bit worrying thinking like, okay, maybe one day. Um, Lloris could get injured and then Joe Hart starting every game like what message does that send up 
Mm. I think ultimately with Gazaniga, it comes down like I find it quite hard to gauge where his ceiling is. Mm. And, like, I don't know how good he can be, and I don't know how I mean how he would be if he wasn't number one. Like I mean, how are we feeling on where his ceiling could be? I mean, on his on his worst day, he's better than Joe Hart. Right. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> on his best day, he's better than Joe Hart. So it's it's <laughs> one of those ones like Joe Hart being in the squad, everyone already knows, like pff, fuck me. Like just like it's just so random. It's so random having this guy at the club. Like literally all he does is scream, shout, kick the post, <laughs> scream for balls to come back. And that's it. But he always gets beat to his left side. And every goal that goes in against him looks spectacular. So, yeah, man, he's like a giraffe with wings. He just flaps about with the long neck. Just, yeah, it's weird. You'd say he's a, bit, he's a bad kepper. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> bad kepper. I'm like, <laughs> That's hard. Oh, oh, yeah. Dad, I can hard. get away with it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to, how to label him because I haven't seen enough because he's just playing, playing in these games where it's kind of like we, we're outscoring the team anyway so it's not highlighted but I don't think he's that bad. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying to the guys, like, he inspires our opponents. Like, he just makes them want to shoot. <laughs> like, how many how many times are we going to have to see Joe Hart go to a new club before stamping him with shit? It was like, first it was Torino. Oh, Pep's harsh on Joe Hart. Let's see how. And that was every other week I've seen him make a mistake in Torino. Then he comes back to, to the Premier League. I think he went alone at West Ham. Was it West Ham he was at? Yeah. And he was shit. Then he went to Burnley. A couple rickets there as well. Like fundamentally, he is not a good goalkeeper. I have no confidence when he's <laughs> playing between the sticks. So that's why I said if Gazaniga goes, I'm just praying that Loris doesn't get injured. Because if he gets injured and we have to rely on this guy for a prolonged period of time, it's peak. We're fucked if that happens. Yeah. I think where is Gazaniga's ceiling, do we think though? Like if you were to compare him to someone young and up and coming like Dean Henderson. So I say they're pre- they're actually quite level at the minute, but as I, I say, I genuinely can't gauge his ceiling. I, I think in the future, Gazaniga will be starting for a club in the bottom mm. ten of the Premier League. I think. Yeah, I mm. agree with that. I think he could start for a club in the top ten. I think he's a better keeper than Jordan Pickford. I think he's a better keeper than. Yep. Yeah. Who, that, yeah. Who's um? I think he's just, in my opinion, I think he's just as good as... I'm trying to remember who else is in the top half of the table. Um, good keepers there, man. Rui Patricio. Uh, yeah. I'd say, yeah, he's Rui Patricio is better than him. But uh, Gazaniga could definitely play for a mid-table or sort of like... Um, sort of like between 8th to 10th spot team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. 100%. Yeah. So um, let's, let's, let's do... Uh... Let's do a roundup on the international break. Um, what do you get? Like, I mean, I guess the ideal, the most ideal situation in the international break would be like absolutely everyone just not playing and and coming back like fit in two weeks. If Regulon voids. <laughs> did he? I, I read something like he he got injured, didn't he? Or he had a little muscle problem. Yeah, apparently he's waiting for news on a scan. Niche doesn't look too promising. Yes, it's not positive. Um, is there anyone who 
like you're looking forward to seeing play in an international week. I don't know if you guys are like me. Like I, I see watching England as like self harm. I've got it on behind me on mute, but <laughs> it just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know about you guys, but I just think of international football. I just like I don't want to watch it. I just yeah. like news first. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a welcome break from football for me. <laughs> <laughs> I do something else. <laughs> Play with um, marbles or something, just anything but football. It literally anything. I mean, I, I can't even think of much to say on the international break. Um, apart from, do you guys think Winks will have a good performance? Uh, steady, steady, steady. I think he'll stand out in England's midfield. To be fair, because there's just no other midfielder who's kind of like him, who can build play like him. So, I don't even think he started against Wales, did he? Nah, he did. No. Oh, he did. Yeah. I'll have to catch the highlights to review his performance. But yeah, I think he'll stand out in England's team. But to say we just don't want him to get injured. I got a couple of mates who are watching it and they said that the standout midfielder today has been Jack Grealish. Oh, yeah, yeah, standard. I think he's playing in the front three, though, isn't he? Yeah, left wing. wing. I mean, I guess you, you could say like anybody who watches football could tell that Grealish would be a standout performer in that England side, apart from Gareth Southgate for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That guy actually hates him. Like, when, when the press interview him about Grealish, it's like he's got something against him. And then when it comes to Mason Mount, he's like, he's going crazy, like, raves over him. It's some weird, like... It is ridiculous. It's really it's weird. the shin pads. <laughs> I'm just... Pads and the low socks. <laughs> I'm just worried that, like, this... This like burgeoning sort of like talented crop of English players, including some of the players in our team as well. Like you got like in Harry Kane, you got like top two strikers in world football and it's all being managed in his hands. Like he, I don't trust him at all. Like I think he's a poor manager. I don't know how he had the credentials to get the job in the first place. I gave him his grace period because they got to the semi-finals, but some could argue, yep, it was a luck of the draw, etc. But I just don't, understand his teams I don't get his lineups I don't get what type of team he's going for and he's I don't get the constant chopping and changing and going back and forth on his word first he said that the England team is going to be like a meritocracy if you're not playing for your club or playing well you don't get games and yet I'm seeing Michael Keane shoehorned into the gene team Jordan Pickford <laughs> ricket after ricket after ricket stink after stinker and he's starting regularly for England I, he's just all over the shop I don't rate him at all. I've, I've got a little bit of love for Southgate for no other reason than helping to get Jack Jack Wilshere out the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah some good foresight there. I don't care what anybody says. Like the fact that he's in the situation that he's in brings us a, a sort of warm feeling to my chest. Um, you are evil. <laughs> in this, in this one, I will, I will hold that. I will. Hold it close to my heart because fuck that guy, fuck his career. <laughs> that potential talk out the window. Harry Winks is a better player. Everybody's a better mm. player than that guy. He's washed. Get him out of here. But it's a weird one in Southgate. Number, if anyone has a phone number, we do have spots on Touchline 5. So get him over. <laughs> That's for Gunnosaurus, by the way, not Wilshire. He can't come. <laughs> <laughs> With Southgate, though, it was weird how he reverted back to this five at the back as well. Like, the 4 3 3 wouldn't just suit just Winks, it would suit Kane as well. And after we um, beat Spain as comprehensively as we did with that 4 3 3, and you got Kane playing 
the coveted Kane role with Sterling and Rashford or Sancho either side and then you got Winks popping it off in midfield. I don't know why he would uh, revert away from that. He didn't have enough space for DMs. He, he probably wanted to play three DMs if he could. Yeah, let's accommodate Calvin <laughs> Davis. Oh, Calvin Phillips, sorry. But um, on to uh, better news, like the players that are not participating, I guess it's looking good. We've got... Um, Son, Bell, Ndombele, Vinicius, Berwin, Mora, Delhi, um, who should be fit and ready, sort of training in two weeks. So, I mean, Bell should be coming into the team into the next game by the looks of it. Wow. Any thoughts there? What do you guys think, man? It's, it's that time. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm buzzing just to see Kane dropping that pocket with Son and Bell running mm-hmm. behind. That is one start, I tell you. It's going to be crazy. Can you imagine when he sprays that trademark, like, Kane crossword pass to the right and it's not Aurier or Doherty running onto it, it's Gareth Bell. Because, you know, once he comes in on that left foot, left hand, comes in on that left foot, it's a wrap. Like, he's such a good finisher these days. So, I'm honestly, like, my mouth is drooling at the thought of them three playing together. It's going to be poetry in motion, man. I can't wait. Actually can't wait. Uh, I'm hoping to see like shades of like Arjun Robin when he was older and that nobody could stop him. Like you knew exactly what he was going to do. Just cut and, just, and it just happens exactly the same, man. I know, I know what we're not going to be getting the bill we had, um, was it seven years ago? But I'm looking forward to it, man. You know what they say about class? I mean, he's, he's become a better player as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm. Physical attributes are, are, are like quite low on the list in terms of things that I... I gravitate towards I'm not the most athletic dude so if I see somebody with with an IQ or technique that's otherworldly I'm always gonna gravitate towards them more and when when I watch Bale over the last couple of years especially like in this small sample size in terms of injuries and stuff the guy's ability to manipulate a defender is still still up there with the best in world football he can turn you in two touches and then the ball's in the back of the net. And with the way that we're playing at the minute, we need that type of thing. So I'm I'm excited now. I am excited. Mm. Now, originally, I was quite pessimistic about the uh, the thought of him signing. Um, as we know, and obviously, I hope I'm wrong, but it looked like when he was playing towards, especially the later games at Real Madrid, like his touch seemed to be really heavy his legs looked heavy didn't look like he even wanted the ball or he didn't look like he could really even dribble or explode like he used to like you were saying you don't really have like the physicals quite hard in the metrics to judge um to judge players but with Bale his explosiveness was kind of his main weapon during especially during his peak um but then again I seen quotes earlier today from kind of reporters saying he's been really really good in training so I hope I'm wrong and I hope he kind of feels the love from the club that he'll want to play for us and do well for us in that sense. I and um, I don't know if, I don't think he'll start against West Ham, but he'll probably come on and hopefully do a madness. I think on Bill as well, I actually don't think, like just buttressing a sort of size point, I actually don't think his physical attributes are the strongest part of his game now. Like I feel like at Real Madrid, you saw a player who still had the physical attributes, like he could still 
burst past players and whatnot, but you saw someone whose left foot just got better and better and better. Yeah, his ball striking is still elite. I, I agree with yeah. that. Nowadays, a Gareth Bell, the ball striking is still elite, but when he gets inside the box, it's as good as a goal. Like I don't even have to think about him missing chances because if you see the range and variety this guy's finishes at Real Madrid, like in front of goal, all we need to do is literally get the ball to him in the edge of the area. I don't need Bill beating three, four man. Get the ball to the guy at the edge of the box on his left foot or inside the box on his left foot and it's Rap City. So that attribute he still has is, is better than most left footers in world football. So I, for that reason and that reason only, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a smash hit. As if, well. if he slots into the team in the same type of role that Lamella and uh, Mora have been playing, so coming off off that right-hand side and sort of playing semi-central or like half-wing type position, it's, it's going to be curtains for teams, mate, because it we've already started to make the transition where Kane and Firmino are like in that same co- sort of category in terms of what their role within the team is. With Sun looking very, very Mane-esque, all we are missing is that Salah-type figure on the right who can cheat a little bit on defence, but then just bagging the goals when you need them to, so... If we can get that balance right, boy, there's problems. I agree. Mm-hmm. Would you start? Would you start um, Bell coming back? Um, and then I guess after that, we can go on to listeners' questions. Jenk, would you start Bell in the game coming back? Depends what he, where his fitness is at. Because obviously, I, I'm not sure when the last time he's played. Wales didn't call him up either. So I guess it's just a question of is he match fit yet? So. I mean, I'd like to see him start, but if he's not ready, let's not rush him into things because obviously the league on Prem is different pace, different style. So uh, I think it's just a case of slowly integrating him back into our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen, do you want to lead us on listeners' questions? Or? Um, if you give right. me a sec, yeah. Um, right. Just to touch on the bell thing, I think if he, I think if he is fit enough, um, I would actually start him. Purely because I watched the I watched the game against Leicester in the first half. I I can't believe the amount or how little chances Leicester were able to create because it looked like West Ham had this naively high line with barely any pressure on the ball and Harvey Barnes and Bardi and I think it was Perez on the right were constantly through on goal and like they were just freeing these channels in between the fullbacks and the centre backs in space. Tielemans had time, but he just had a stink of this game. And um, yeah, for, so I think we'll be able to exploit that, given if they set up the same way that they did against Leicester. Um, for listeners' questions, let's get into it. First one from none other than Senkoza. Was there anything on Milan? <laughs> Not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right. Um, and what do we think? This is from Unjog Belay. I only just read his out, otherwise, I wouldn't have even read this question. A very offensive handle, to be honest. So be careful if you ask another question, Unjog Belay. Thoughts on Danny Rose potentially joining Wickham? <laughs> I don't know if that's just banter or serious. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Well, that's, uh, I think we covered that in the pod already. I think it would be a huge disservice. Come over to Crawley Town, Danny. We'll, you'll be loved here. 
Um, I am Tulu, or I am underscore Tulu, asked who will be our top goal scorer in all competitions? You butchered that name, by the way, Owen, oh, it's Tolu. Tolu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to understand. Thank you, Toby. African you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't was... even make the connection when I heard you say Tulu. <laughs> I was half reading horse and hound in the Daily Mail at the same time, so I really butchered that. <laughs> uh, yeah, who will be our top goal scorer in all competitions? I think it's it's definitely hard to look past Harry Kane. Like, hey, can you look past the big man? There's only one way for him not to be the top scorer, and and I don't want him to get injured this season. So, I think a better question would have been: Can Son hit twenty in the league this year? <laughs> but or fifteen to twenty in the league this year because he's never hit he's never hit fifteen league goals. Mm. I think I think it's all. I think the max he's hit in the league is fourteen league goals. I think. These players who we consider better than Sonny, right? Or most people consider better Sonny than right, right now, i.e. your Mane's, your Sellers, your Sterlings. Typically, they're hitting around 15 to 20 league goals a season. I think for Sonny to be considered in that bracket, that's sort of the next sort of hurdle that he needs to, to reach. And I think he's had a blistering start to the season. And hopefully, this can be the year where he sort of cracks that, that flipping glass ceiling. I'd, I'd back him for that this season. Um, he looks hungry. He definitely looks hungry in front of goal. And that's something I haven't noticed from him as much in previous seasons, I would say. He looks ready. Damn. And I'll, I'll pitch this to Cenk as well, because this is a handle I'll definitely be able to read out. This is from Jamie McEwen. Yeah. <laughs> underscore McEwen. Um, when do you, or when do we think we'll see Vinicius future and get off to his flying start well I think he's I think he's not injured or anything I saw him training so I think it's a case of when Europa League comes around or off the bench maybe in like the last 20 I think that's when we'll see him so but I think he's a promising player so it's just a case of seeing what he can offer for us and hopefully maybe if he comes off the bench and scores then you never know what can happen he can get on a roll or something because we've seen it happen before so why not I'm curious does does Vinicius play on the wings at all I think you can. I think you can operate there, you know, because the thing is as well, though. I read an article this morning. Um, it was only five years ago he actually went and developed into a striker. He was a centre back before. Oh, like wow. his, his positional like development's been a bit weird as well. So it's interesting. Yeah, he's a tank of a man, to be honest. Yeah. He's an absolute beast. I just can't wait to see him play to see what he can actually offer us and. For the for the umpteenth time, I'm just delighted that we've actually got someone who's mobile and dynamic. Like we ain't got these stand near the edge of the box and lump the ball out to him and let him get a knockdown. He can actually move and strike a ball. So long, I, I, I love to see it. Let's see him get um get his first minutes in Europa League because I reckon after the international break he'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah, that wraps it up for. Uh... Certain questions actually. Um, big at Big Davey BG19 says, Ask Chenkoza when Danny Rose gets his move to Milan, will he be able to unretire Paolo Maldini's number three shirt and get it retired again in his own name? <laughs> I get messages daily, you know. <laughs> That's all the questions have been as well. You reckon so hard. That's why my, my, um. My love for him was warranted in 1617. And then since then, I mean, last, well, the Champions League run, he was good. You know, I give him that. 
but since then, like, it's not been very good, has it? <laughs> but yeah, um, like we said previously in the pod, whatever he does, good luck. You know what's crazy about the listener questions is uh, I think we would have got more if Tyler didn't uh, yeah. cause such a right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just about to say. Shout out to Tyler. I'm glad he wasn't on the pod when I spoke about Lamella as well. Shout out to Tyler causing the rackass and the fracas on the TL. Fracas in honor of Toby there. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> uh, boys, on that note, I think that's a wrap. Um, looking forward to next week. Is it more? Oh, no, actually, it's more international football. So, oh, God. <laughs> we'll no previews. Out to pad, pad, pad out the uh, drabness of international football. <laughs> All right, nice one, guys. Till next time. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sports Social Podcast Network.